Jehoshaphat, he's a new king, and he has just completed a season of reform. Before Jehoshaphat came to power, uh, the temple of the Lord was lying in a state of disrepair. It, w- it hadn't been kept up. It hadn't been maintenanced. Uh, the kings before Jehoshaphat did not honor the Lord. They did not call the people to corporate worship. They did not celebrate the feasts of the Lord during the feast seasons. And the temple had been neglected to the point that the courts of the temple had literally just fallen apart and the doors were hanging on their their hinges in a crooked way, and it was just a mess. So Jehoshaphat comes to power, and, and he notices the people have forsaken their faith because they've been more involved with the politics going on in the nation. The, the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom had split, and, and, and so one side was on the left, and one side was on the right, and there was great division and arguments among the nation. The arguments among the nation politically were starting to separate families apart and separate communities apart and it literally caused the kingdom to split apart and when there is division you are vulnerable to attacks I'm going to say that again step over that real quick when there is division you are more vulnerable to attacks and so when Jehoshaphat comes to power instead of focusing the people's attention on political issues he takes their attention back to the house of the Lord he repairs the temple. He rebuilds the court. He reinstitutes the feast. And he is known in scripture as the great reformer. Now, immediately after he brings reform, he is attacked by three armies of three nations. It's funny. As long as your priorities are out of sorts, as long as you're Uh, not focused and you're lazy and you're complacent, the enemy will leave you alone. But the second you decide to bring order and reformation into your life, the second you decide to go through your life and put things in their proper place and restore God to his proper place in your life, all hell will break loose against you. Because it was true then and it is true now, reform attracts warfare. I'm going to say that again. That's a good, that's a good note. Reformation attracts warfare. Now, this is true spiritually in the spirit world. It's also true in the natural world. Those just, there's just something about it. When you decide to make reformation happen in your life, I mean, let's say you go on a diet. You start your diet, and you're doing good. You're a couple days in, and nobody at work ever brings any food to work, but you come in, and you're on this diet, and somebody brought donuts and cakes and cookies and tacos and pizza, and there you are trying the best you can to make some changes, and here's all this mess around you because reformation attracts. It's like a magnet. Reformation attracts warfare, and so Jehoshaphat is in the middle of this this threat. Scouts have come to him, and, and they've told him that the armies of three nations have breached, or three nations have breached their border, and uh, uh, King, uh, they're going to be here tomorrow. So verse 3 through 5, when Jehoshaphat heard that, verse 3, he feared and he set himself to seek the Lord. He proclaimed a fast throughout all of Judah. Verse 4, Judah gathered together to ask help from the Lord and all of the cities of Judah. They came to seek the Lord. And then verse 5, Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord. Help me say in the house. In the house of the Lord before the new court he had just built. I want you to notice where they went when they got threatened. They gathered together at the house of the Lord. They didn't shelter in place. They didn't quarantine. They didn't put their pillow over their heads and hope that the thing would just ride itself out. They got themselves up and gathered together in the house of the Lord. Next note, when you bring your battle to God's house, your problem becomes his responsibility. I'm going to say that again because I need it. When you bring your battle to God's house, your current problem becomes his responsibility. 
Verse 7, Jehoshaphat starts to pray. He says, are you not our God who drove out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and gave it to the descendants of Abraham, your friend forever? And they dwell in it and have built you a sanctuary in it for your name, saying, if disaster comes upon us, sore, judgment, pestilence, or famine, we will stand before you in this temple in your presence for your name is in this temple and cry out to you in our affliction and you will hear and save. That's so good. Next note. Um, when facing battles, fill your prayers with reminders of God's promises. That's what Jehoshaphat's doing. What he just quoted there, he said, God, you said if we'd build you a temple and we'd dedicate it to your name, you said that you would set your eyes on that temple and your ears to hear the prayers of that temple. You said if pestilence or sword or famine or any calamity comes against us, that if we would come to this temple and we would seek your face, that you would hear and that you would help. He's reminding God of what God's promise was to people that were facing peril and difficult situations. When you're in trouble, when you are threatened, remind yourself and God of the promises he has made in his word concerning the situation that you are facing. That's what Jehoshaphat does. And, and in, in verse 12, at the end of his prayer, he gets real honest and he says, Oh God, will you not judge them? We have no power against this great multitude that is coming against us, nor do we know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. Now, the most powerful word in that text, in that verse, is the word but. He said, we have no power, we can't deal with this multitude, and we don't know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. The word but is a conjunction, and it's used in sentences to introduce something contrary to what was just mentioned. Okay. Now, this conjunction, but, it can either help you or hinder you depending on where you place it and how you use it. Notice Jehoshaphat. He goes with the negative first. He goes with the threat first. We can't handle this multitude. And not only can we not handle them, we don't know what to do. But our eyes are on you. Now, I've heard a lot of people that would have prayed that in reverse, you know. Lord, our eyes are on you, but we can't handle this multitude and we don't know what to do. That's how, that's how they end it, you know. Like, Lord, I believe in you, but... The doctor found this sickness in my body. Lord, I'm trusting you for this financial miracle, but the, the, the debt's piling up. Okay. So see, success or failure is determined by where you place your butt. Oh, hallelujah. You, you got to get your butt in the right place. Well, what's wrong with your mindset is you got your butt in the wrong place. You need to get your butt in the right place. Just, just nudge your neighbor. Say, neighbor. Get your butt. Everybody, everybody here is scared. Look at somebody and say, neighbor. I said, get your butt in the right place. We can't handle this multitude, and we don't know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. Being threatened on every side, don't have the ability to respond to it in my own strength, but my eyes are upon you. You And when he prayed like that with his butt in the right place, God responded with a prophetic word through Jehaziel. Verse 14 of 2 Chronicles 20, the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel. And he said in verse 15, he said, listen, Judah, inhabitants of Jerusalem, and listen, King Jehoshaphat, thus says the Lord to you, 
Do not be afraid or dismayed because of this great multitude. The battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow, go down against them. Verse 17, you will not even need to fight this battle. Just position yourselves, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord. As I read that, God said, Jehaziel's word to Jehoshaphat and the people is also my word to the people at Christian World who are facing a threat that they do not know how to respond to. If you're in this building this morning and you got something coming against you, some of you, you got something coming against you tomorrow that you don't know how to deal with, don't know how to respond to, something you can't pay, something you can't fix, something you can't fight. God's word to them is God's word to you. And in summary, the word is, do not fear. Hallelujah. Feel the Holy Ghost. Do not fear. I don't know where you are in this church. God said, do not fear. Number two, you won't have to fight. Oh, hallelujah. You won't have to fight. Oh, preach boy. This battle is not yours. By coming to church today, you made the battle God's responsibility. This battle is not yours. Number four, be still and see the salvation of the Lord. That's your word. Don't fear. You're not going to have to fight. This battle is not yours but God's. Be still, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord. I got to say it for somebody in the back that's still trying to figure out if I'm really talking to them. Yes, I'm talking to you. Do not fear. You won't have to fight. This battle is not yours. It is God's. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Now, notice Jehoshaphat's response to the word. It's coming in the next verse, verse 18. And I just want to throw this in here real quick. The word of the Lord must be responded to. Oh, hallelujah. The word must be responded to. When a word from God is given, a response from you is required. What seals the efficacy of the word is whether or not you make the choice by faith to receive it. Let not a double-minded person think they receive anything from God. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. They that come to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So when a word comes, the word must be responded to. I wonder how many words have come to us that we haven't seen manifest in our life because the response just was not there. We live in a casual society. We live in a bored society. We live in a society that doesn't stand up anymore when a lady walks into the room, doesn't stand up to shake a man's hand. We've let formality completely go and we've lost our protocols of promotion. But when a word from God, the creator of the universe, the CEO of all things, comes to your spirit, the word must be responded to. And, and so and so in verse 18, Jehoshaphat, in response to the word, bowed his head with his face to the ground. The king got on the ground. And all of Judah and the inhabitants of Israel, they, they took they took their cue from the king. They bowed before the Lord and started worshiping the Lord. Then something strange happens. Verse 19. Then the Levites of the children of the Kohathites. Now, when you see ites in the scripture, don't, don't get like weird about it. It just, mean, it just means sons of. That's what ites means, you know. They call them the Israelites because they're the sons and the descendants of Israel. Okay, so you know, the, if you see Levi and Sam walking around in here, you you could, if you wanted to get Old Testament with it, you could call them the Jasonites. <laughs> I kind of like that. <laughs> Come here, Jasonites. You know, I, I like that. The the Jehoshaphat gets this word from the prophet in the middle of this threat. And he just, he just crumples. He just gets down on the floor and starts worshiping the Lord. Hallelujah. And uh, so the king went down. No, 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 no,
But when the king went down, two groups of people stood up. The Levites of the children of the Kohathites, they stood up. And the Korahites stood up to praise the Lord God of Israel with voices loud and high. We got to deal with that now. We got to deal with that. The Kohathites, when the king went down, they stood up. And the Korahites, you remember that name? The, the Korahites, they stood up. Now, the next morning in verse 21, Jehoshaphat said, we're going to believe in the Lord, and we're going to be established. We're going to believe in his prophets. We're going to prosper. And um, he said, I'm going to consult with, with my team we're not going to have to fight, but we do have to do something. Jehoshaphat said, I, I feel that we got to respond to this battle, not with swords and shields, but we got to respond to this battle with praise. So he appointed, you see that word? He appointed those who should sing to the Lord and who should praise the beauty of holiness. In other words, they, they, and, they, and they went out before the army and they were saying, praise the Lord for his mercy endures forever. Now, who did he appoint to go before the army? Well, verse 19 already told us it was the, the Kohathites and the Korahites. Let, let, let's, look at, uh, let's look at who these people were. Kohath. Kohath was a descendant of Aaron, whose family held the responsibility of the Levitical priesthood. In other words, they were the pastors, elders, teachers, and leaders of the church. Jehoshaphat said to his church leadership, the most distinguished, the most studied, the most gifted and capable to lead, he said to them, I need you to put your teaching tools and your notebooks and your study pads away for a minute. And what I need you to do is I need you to lead this congregation in praise. And this is powerful because there's something about the responsibility of leadership that when some people get it, it goes straight to their head. And somehow now they're too important to dance in the presence of God. Now they're too important to sing in the presence of God. Now they're too important to clap. Now, now they're looking at everything, kind of managing everything, kind of just watching every little thing. Because now they're kind of the police of the whole thing. And, and they never get lost in worship because they're too busy inspecting and counting and adding and subtracting and doing all the, the leadership things. Or they're too focused on what they're going to teach or they're too focused focused on the workings of their department and they get so caught up in leading that they forget that the first thing God called us to do was to give him praise. And, and so Jehoshaphat gets all his leaders together and they said, Jehoshaphat, how do you want us to help you lead? Do you want us to take the army? Do you want us to give them a pep talk? Do you want us to teach them something? Do you want us to recite some things we learned? Do you want us to use our gifts? He said, no, what I want you to do is I want you to get out there in front of the people and show them what a praise looks like. I want you to get out in front of the people and let your voice be heard louder than theirs. Let your clap be heard louder than theirs. Let your stomp be wilder than theirs. I want the leaders to get off your high horse and get out there and give God a praise. Oh yes. Oh yes. So the first group appointed to lead the charge of praise was the leaders. Mantle, if you're in here, nobody ever should sing louder in this church than you. Nobody should ever clap quicker in this church than you. Nobody should ever run the aisles before you do. Nobody should ever get more crazy than you do. What's wrong with us that we get in position and we lose our praise? We get in position, but we lose our passion. He said, I want the leaders to... It was Kohath first. And then the next group that he wanted to praise, 
he, he said, I, I want the Korahites, the sons of Korah, to praise. Now, Korah in the scripture represents the children of rebellion and resulting destruction. Korah is the Judas of the Old Testament. Korah committed the greatest act of treason against God in the Old Testament by trying to turn his people against the leader that God had appointed. And according to Old Testament law, before the cross of Jesus Christ came and the grace and the mercy was, was revealed and applied to the earth, when certain sins were committed that were so egregious, God would deal with it right then and there and kill them. And the sin that Korah committed, the sin of insurrection, was so egregious, so out of bounds, that, that his children were supposed to die too. In fact, the Old Testament says something very inconvenient that should make you thankful for the blood of Jesus and New Testament truth. The Old Testament said that the sins of the Father would be visited. The judgment of the sins of the Father would be visited upon their children to four generations. In other words, you, you, you can't measure sin in the New Testament because all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But God did measure it in the Old. And if you committed certain sins in the Old Testament, God would blot out your entire bloodline. There would be an end to your whole family line in the earth. In fact, some of the prophets talk about it. God would tell certain kings when they did evil that he was going to cut off, cut them off from the earth. So, so Korah and the people that were with him and his wife and his house and all of his stuff, the Bible said when he committed that sin of betrayal and insurrection and lack of loyalty, that the ground opened up and swallowed his whole household. But Numbers 26.11 says something interesting. Numbers 26.11 says, Nevertheless, the children of Korah did not die. Now, now according to Old Testament law, they should have died. And they were standing there that day with their evil daddy. So if they didn't die, that means the earth opened up. And it went all the way up into where those little kids' feet were and then stopped. And they that deserve destruction, they that were qualified to receive judgment, they that were guilty by the law, they that would, they, God would have been righteous for just blotting out the whole bloodline. But instead of giving them what they deserved, God gave them mercy. And so the Bible says in the book of Psalms and, and in, in the writings in 2 Samuel that, that these boys grew up, these sons of Korah, these Korahites, and, and they had a primary characteristic. Nobody could sing and praise God like the sons of Korah because you never heard somebody praise until you hear the praise of somebody that knows they deserve judgment, knows they deserve to be dead and gone, knows they knew to do right but did wrong anyway knows that they backslid and went away from the commandments of God and they deserve to be taken out they deserve to be judged they deserve to be destroyed but God in his mercy saw fit to leave them alive you ain't ever heard a praise like a praise from Korah you ain't ever heard a song like a song from Korah you ain't ever seen a dance like a dance from Korah you ain't ever heard a tune like a tune from Korah In fact, Pastor Tracy, if you read the Psalms, many of David's Psalms were not sung by David. Many of David's Psalms, if you read the address above the chapter, it will say, to the sons of Korah. In other words, what David was saying, he said, I got a real good song here, but I don't want just anybody to sing it. He said, I got a real good song here, but I don't want just anybody to play it. If you go sing my song, Korah's got 
gotta sing it. If you're gonna play my tune, chorus gotta sing it because somebody who's experienced the mercy of God has to sing this song. Somebody that deserved judgment but received mercy, they gotta be the ones to sing this song. I don't know about you, but I feel Cora in the room. I feel Cora in the room. I know there's somebody, at least one person in each section, that knows you should have been dead, knows you should have been in jail, knows you should have been taken out, knows your marriage should have fallen apart, knows your children should be crazy. But because of the mercy, I said the mercy. I'm looking for Cora, where you at? I'm looking for Cora, where you at? I'm looking for Cora, where you I'm looking for Cora! And so, when it came time for Jehoshaphat to put the best he had at praise in front of the army, he said, I got to have me some leaders. I got to have me Kohath. But then I also got to have me some people that know what it's like to be touched by the mercy of God. He said, I want Kohath and Korah. I want the good ones and the bad ones. I want the faithful ones and the one that's been unfaithful. I want the do-gooders and the backsliders. I want to hear them both praise. your story <laughs> yeah. it's one thing to sing about what you've never experienced it's another thing to sing about what you know is true because you have personally went through it so look at the song Jehoshaphat tells Korah to sing on the battlefield facing the greatest threat of their nation verse 21 of 2nd Chronicles 20 Korah started marching out on the battlefield before the army and they were singing praise to the beauty of his holiness and look what they were singing praise the Lord for his mercy endures forever now see that would have sounded one way coming out of the mouth of a bunch of people who had never sinned like Korah sinned. 
That would have sounded one way coming out of the mouths of a bunch of people that weren't standing there facing the judgment that Korah was facing. But you put that song in the mouth of Korah? In the mouth of those that were standing like right here when the earth split apart. And I'm telling you, there's some people in this room that know what it's like to be standing like right here and see the destruction coming all the way at you. But somehow, by the mercy of God, it just stopped right before it got you. I don't want to blow your cover. But there's people in here that have overdosed on drugs, don't know how you're still alive. The destruction was coming after you, but it stopped right before your feet. There's people in here that have had bullets whiz by their head in the club. There's people in here that were driving drunk and drove off the road. There's people in here slept around so much you know you ought to have AIDS. But by the mercy of God, 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 by the mercy of And when you tell your story, can't nobody beat you at telling your story. When you sing your song, can't nobody beat you at singing your song. And Jehoshaphat said, he said, I want Korah to sing. And I want them to sing about what they know about. I want them to sing about what they experienced. I want them to sing about what God did for them. Don't sing about what God did for other people. If you're going to sing, sing about what God has done for you. He said, I want. He said, I want Korah to sing. Now the last thing we got to deal with in the text is in two verses the word praise in two verses the word praise has been mentioned four times now for those of you who like to study your bible you will find that the word praise in the Hebrew Bible, which is what our English Bible was translated from, speaking of the Old Testament, the word praise is the most poorly translated word in our English language. Because in this text, in two verses, four times it's translated praise. And you just look at it and it says praise, 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 praise. But in Hebrew, in the original language, there were four different words used. So let's, let's look at them. The first one is yada. Everybody say yada. yada. It means to throw the hands up while singing or shouting praise to God. It's like, um, it's almost like treating the praise like it's a material thing. It's like you, you're, you're singing and you're, you're praising, you're worshiping, and you get this big ball of praise and worship right out in front of you, this big ball of energy, and it's like you throw your hands up to heaven like you're throwing the praise up to the sky to God. That's what the yada means. You saw Tori doing it during praise and worship when she was going like this, when she was going like this. That's the yada praise, and it's a commandment. The scripture says, Praise ye the Lord. That word there is yada ye the Lord. That means when you come to church at some point in the service, you got to throw hands. If you ain't learned to throw your hands yet, you got to learn to throw hands. You got to get your hands involved in the pray. Yada the Lord. Praise the Lord. The wave praise is a part of the yada. The, the striking with the fist is a part of the yada. The, the hand going side to side is a part of the yada. Get your hands involved. Yada praise. And, and then you've got zamar. The zamar praise. Zamar means to strike with the hands in praise. It, it, you know, in other words, striking your hands together, or where we get where we get the tradition of clapping our hands in church. That's the Zamar praise. When it says, oh, clap your hands, all ye people. He's talking about the Zamar praise. But, but 
The Zamar praise can also refer to using the hands to strike instruments. Like, like Abi is going to use his fingers to strike that guitar string and make chords in praise. Like Zoe is going to use his fingers to strike with the hands the, 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 the bass and make the sound of praise. Like Lawrence is using his hands to strike the keys of the keyboard to make a sound in praise. Like Derek uses his hands with the drumsticks to strike the drums to make a sound of praise. All of that is Zamar. Next. Tahila, not Cuervo. <laughs> Got to enunciate in church these days. Tahila, which means to sing a hymn. What is a hymn? It's doctrine set to melody. That's what a hymn is. It's doctrine set to melody. Great is thy faithfulness. O oh Lord, my Father. There is no shadow of turning with thee. That's the book of James put to a melody. Thou changest not. Thy compassions, they fail not. Great is thy faithfulness. Lord, unto me. That's a hymn. It's doctrine set to melody. Okay. To sing a hymn or a song of praise to God. And then. Number four, halal. This is my favorite one. Halal, where we get our word, hallelujah. Halal means to shout with a loud voice. So, oh God. See, you just think it's emotionalism, but there's something biblical to it. There's something spiritual to it. There's something powerful to it. Halal. To shout with a loud voice, to praise with reckless abandonment. That means wild praise. And to dance. That's what halal means. So the Bible says in these two verses that those, those children of Kohath and those children of Korah, they took these four types of praise. They got them a halal. They got them a zamar. They got them a tahila. And they got them a yada. And they walked out on the battlefield facing the threat that was against them. And the Bible said in verse 22 that when they began to praise, when they began to sing and to praise, you don't hear this preacher. I said, when they began to sing and you don't hear this preacher. I said, when they began to sing and to you don't hear this preacher. I don't know what kind of trouble you're in, but when they began to sing and to praise. Oh, yeah. began to sing and to pray while they were praising the Lord started setting ambushes up against their enemies now now what what I've got to because I can't lead you effectively without this understanding there's an idea in the church world that Praise is a type of cultural or denominational expression. I brought a guy from one denomination in here to preach several years ago, and he got up. You know, he was just like scared to death during the praise and worship service. What are these people doing? And he gets up and he says, I, I kind of get the feeling that this is one of those hand clapping churches. And it's like, it's like you would be amazed that some, some people call us happy clappy and all that kind of stuff. But, but, but you would be amazed at the people who their thought process and their paradigm is 
is that if you go to a singing, shouting, hand-waving, hand-raising, hand-clapping, dancing, foot-stomping church, that that's just one style. That that's just one type of church. It, it's not a culture. It's not a style. It's right there in the book I just read you. And to all of you sending us messages to turn it down and make it less loud, did you notice that every definition of praise included a noise component? They did it with a loud, loud, loud. And oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, I wish somebody would shout loud. Shout loud. Shout loud. Where's the halal at? Where's the halal at? Hallelujah to God! Hallelujah to God! Hallelujah to God! What? What these... What these oftentimes well-meaning but poor understanding folks don't realize. If you do not clap your hands like a wild person, scream and shout when God is being praised or when his word is being preached. If you never pick up your feet and dance in his presence, if you never scream a halal to God, you are missing key supernatural warfare components. Because God said, when you run into an enemy that you can't fight and you don't know what to do, if you will praise me, I'll start fighting for you. Oh, I'll start fighting it for you. I'll start dealing with it for you. I'll start ambushing your enemy for you. So, I simply came to tell those of you that are hurting. I came to tell those of you that are fearful. I came to tell those of you in a crisis. I came to tell those of you in trouble. If you got something to fight, you can fight it with a praise. If you got depression, you can fight it with a praise. If you're sick in your body, you can fight it with a praise. If the enemy's after your children, you can fight it with a praise. If your finances are in trouble, you can fight it with a praise. If the devil has unleashed an attack against you, you can fight it with... Come on, stand to your feet, open up your mouth, give God praise all over this house. Stand up on your feet, open your mouth, give God praise all over! Fight it! Fight it! Fight it! Fight it! Fight it! Fight it! Fight with your lifted hands! Fight with the tears streaming down your face! Fight with your shout! Fight with your dance! Fight it! Somebody's fighting right now. You see me jumping, but I'm really fighting. Oh, yeah! Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lord, you're worthy. There's none like you. None beside thee. You're our shelter. You're our healer. You're our provider. You're our protector. You're our blesser. Our covenant keeper. Oh God, we praise you. Oh God, we praise you. Magnify the Lord with me. Open your mouth and magnify the Lord. Just your voice giving praise. Just your hands giving praise. Just your throat. Just your lungs. Let everything that hath breath praise ye. Halal ye the Lord. 
Shout till the generational curse is broken. Shout until your children get off drugs. Shout until that money is released. Shout until the door opens. Shout until you're healed in your body. Shout! Some of you are just to the age spiritually, just to the level of sensitivity spiritually. You realize you just stepped into another realm with your praise. While you're there, do your work. While you're there, open up your mouth. Let your requests be made known unto God. While you're there, tell him about what's coming after you. While you're there, go in for your family. Go in for what you need from the Lord. Go in for your emotional healing. Go in for your breakthrough. Go in for your marriage. Go in for future generations unborn yet to time. Oh, God, we praise you. Oh, yes. 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 Just keep that right there. Oh, yes. Somebody's building yourself an altar. You're building yourself a place to meet with God. You're building yourself a place where something significant can happen. You're building it. You're building it with your praise. Come on, Cora. You had messed up bad enough. You had failed bad enough. He wants to hear it. He wants to hear it. Oh yes, oh yes, oh yes, oh yes. Pour out your praise to your God. Call out to him for deliverance from that addiction. Call out to him for healing for that sickness. Call out to him. Sabar, come on, Yada, come on, Tahila, come on, Halal, give expression to that thing, give movement to that thing, give voice to that thing. There's power, there's power. I feel power in the room. I feel power in the room. Something's changing as you praise. If you need to be in this altar, get down here. There's power in the room. If you need a touch from the Spirit of God, if you need ministry, get down here. Come on, Judah. It's your name. It's your destiny. It's your purpose. Come on, Judah. Where's the threatened at? Where's the fearful at? Where's the worried at? Fight it with a praise. Fight it. Fight it. Fight it. Don't just come down and stand here. Come down and fight it with a worship. Fight it with a praise. Fight it with a thank you, Jesus. Fight it with a hallelujah. Fight it with a God, I love you. God, I worship you. God, I exalt you. Yeah. Oh yeah! 
It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. Oh, yeah, you may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. This is how I fight my battle. 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 This is how. Praise the name of Jesus. Praise the name of Jesus. He is my rock. He is my fortress. He's my deliverer. In Him will I trust. Praise the name of Jesus. If you know that old song, would you sing it with us? Praise the name. Praise the name. Sing with me, praise the name of Jesus. He's my rock, He's my fortress, He's my deliverer. In Him will I. sing praises to your name. Oh, Lord, praises to your name. Oh, Lord, for your name is great and greatly to It's a simple song. Let the congregation say, Zamar. 
Oh, can you feel it? Your name is great and greatly to be praised. Oh, Jesus, we love you. Praises to your name. Oh, praises to your I know I gotta let you go, but somebody's still fighting. Somebody's still fighting it. Somebody's still fighting it with their praise. can touch my heart like you do and the truth is I could search for all eternity Lord and find there is none like you it's a simple song too we can say it there is none like you Jesus, we sing this to you. No one else can touch my heart like you do. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, I can search for all eternity long. If I, there is none like you. Oh, there is none. Come on, let's sing together, sing. There is none like you. One more time, every voice, sing this part with us. Say there, there is none like you. Father, I thank you. I thank you for what you do in our midst when we praise you. I thank you for being the kind of God that responds to praise what is man that thou art mindful of him what is our voice that you would respond to it what are our lives that you would come and sit down and be interested in what came out of our mouths but we thank you for it Lord and Lord I pray today as we have praised that your hand would visit the battles in this room that your hand would visit every difficult situation that your hand would visit every sickness, that your hand would visit all of the destructive tactics of the enemy, that your hand would visit. 
and that you would bring great deliverance for your people. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray and we seal it, God. And we seal it with one more praise. Come on, clap your hands, all you people. If you have a seed, an offering that you want to sow, if I said something in the Word that you thought was prophetic and it hit you, and you want to get a seed on it, you can come and bring it now. And if you'll just excuse me, we're going to end it a little bit old school. Praise Him. Praise Him. Praise Him. Praise Him. Jesus, blessed Savior, He's worthy to be. Come on, I got any old church that knows that? Oh, praise Him. Oh, praise Him. Praise Him. Praise Him. Jesus, blessed Savior, He's worthy to be praised. Help me say from the rising, from the rising. the going down if you have your offering you can bring it he is worthy